0: you out this morning. I'm waiting on David to get my slide up, but while he does, the title of today's message, Ready to Preach, Pray, or Die, is actually a slogan that came from John Wesley. John Wesley was teaching his students, and someone had asked him what he wanted his preacher boys to be, and his answer was, I want them to be ready to preach, pray, or die in a moment's notice. That's interesting because when you apply that to the Christian life, this is the same thing that's true for us. God wants us to be ready to be able to share our testimony with someone in a moment's notice. Have you ever noticed how God orchestrates our life? Somebody will come into our life and we'll just think, oh, this is just a good happenstance. Well, no, it's actually called providence. God allows us to rub shoulders with other people and we may have no idea what's going on in their life, but we have an opportunity or a chance to share with them a message of eternal life, of hope, forgiveness of sins. And sometimes we let those opportunities pass because we're too afraid to share with someone that we're a Christian or we've trusted Jesus as our Savior. Maybe we're, we have fear that if we say something about Jesus, someone will make fun of us, or we will not get recognized as we should. So there's all kinds of dynamics that go on in our heart and life. But this morning is a chance to challenge us to be ready to preach, pray, or die in a moment's notice. And no one better to learn that from than the Apostle Paul this morning. But Warren Wiersbe writes this interesting quote, By the way, Warren Wearsby passed away. For those of you who don't know who he is, he's a wonderful Bible expositor. He was pastor of Moody Bible Church uh, up in Chicago. Just a wonderful man. But this is what he wrote. Witnessing for Christ is not something we turn on or off like a TV set. Every believer is a witness at all times, either a good one or a bad one. Interesting statement. Charles Spurgeon writes, Witnessing is not something that we do. It's something that we are. Now, as we think about that this morning, I want to give you three principles before I read this chapter. And here they are quickly. Three principles of sharing our testimony. Number one, talk about your life before Jesus. What was, what was your life like? Was it empty? Was there no peace? Was there no hope? Were you just living for yourself? And then talk about or explain how you come to place faith in Jesus. Did someone share with you that Christ died for your sins, that you were a sinner, you were separated from God? Share that. Explain how you came to know Christ or to believe in Him. And then finally, share the difference that Christ has made in your life. He's made me a better husband by this. He's made me a better wife by this, a better employee this way we have to share those things. Life before Christ, when we came to Christ, and our life after Christ. Acts 26 is a chapter where the Apostle Paul is being taken on a trip to Rome. But before he gets to Rome, he has one more chance to let his witness be known. And here's kind of the background. The Jews were going to kill Paul, and in order to save his life, Paul appealed to Caesar. Now being a Jew and also a Roman citizen, he had a right to stand before the King and to be able to share his defense as to why he should not be put to death. the Jews who were under Roman control could not kill Paul so what did they do they agreed to send him to Rome. I'm not sure what Czech airflow is but nevertheless oh, that's in the projector and it's only on this not on this one it's on that one. can you cut that one off David thank you y'all are saying what is he talking about this morning? We have two projectors here, and this back screen was saying something different. Paul was on his way, and on this journey, he was going to talk to another Jew. Well, it just so happened this Jew had a visit by some Hollywood people, and we'll meet them here in just a moment, and Paul was going to be able to share his testimony before them. They were invited to come out and hear this. Instead of going to an MMA fight, they figured they would go hear this crazy Christian. And Paul took the opportunity to share with them who Jesus was. So I'm going to read this, Acts chapter 26, verse 1. You're going to have to cut my thing off one more time, David. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I am going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all of the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they're willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving the authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues, and I tried to make them blaspheme in a raging fury against them. I persecuted them even to foreign cities. You get the idea? Paul was a Taliban Jew. And if someone named the name of Jesus, he would chase them down, persecute them, make them curse the name of Jesus, and then watch them be put to death. This was the Apostle Paul. Verse 12, In this connection I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me. And those who journeyed with me, and when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a service and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God The Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I have had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying, both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. As he was saying these things in his defense, Do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, In a short time would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, Whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day, might become such as I am. That is, except for these chains. Then the king rose, and the governor, and Bernice and those who were sitting with them. And when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, This man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he had not appeared to you. Wow. What a chance, what an opportunity to share this testimony. And the Apostle Paul did exactly that. Now, as we learn some principles from Paul's sharing his testimony, what are some things you can write down in your mind about you sharing your own personal testimony before we dig into this passage? Well, first of all, if you want someone to listen to you, you've got to make it personal. Don't tell them what happened in this person's life or this preacher on TV or this person. Tell them what happened in your life. Second, keep it short. Do you know that most people say that you should be able to share your Christian witness in two to four minutes and be effective? Don't preach to them. Don't make it long. When people start going like this, then you know you went way too long. Get to the point. Keep Jesus at the center. Please, when you witness to people, don't even say the word church. Do yourself a favor. The church doesn't save people. Jesus does. Instead of saying, why don't you come to church with me? Now, we want that. Why don't you say, why don't you let me tell you what Jesus did in my life? Because let me tell you what we've learned and are learning. People have had very bad experiences with church because church can mean anything and everything. Everything. Keep the church out of it. Keep Jesus right at the center because He is what it's all about. And then finally, use the Word of God. Use God's Word. Find one or two verses that you can quote about how when you believe on Jesus, you, you receive the gift of eternal life. Memorize those verses and be able to quote them back. He that believes on the Son has life. He that does not believe the Son does not have life, but the wrath of God remains upon him. Learn powerful verses like this. This is exactly how Paul laid it out. Now, Charles Spurgeon wrote this, Never for fear of feeble man, restrain your witness. If anyone had a reason to be afraid, it was Paul." He was standing here before a king who could have possibly made Paul's life miserable. Paul, instead of fearing man, feared God much more. So what are some truths that we can learn from Paul's life about the great commission that God gives to us? Now I want you to stop for a minute. I want you to let this sink way down deep in your heart. If any person is ever going to come to faith in Jesus, It's going to be because another person shares with them. It's not going to be by angels. It's not going to be by a supernatural phenomenon. They're going to have to hear the Word of God from another person made in God's image. That's God's plan. God saves us so that we will share our testimony with other people. And we are all responsible for that. And that doesn't just mean pastors that means every person every believer in Jesus is responsible to share what Jesus has done with us you are my witnesses you are to go the believers shared their faith the very first thing that we do in this co-mission by the way what is a commission you could look at it one of two ways a co-mission can mean a joint operation God working with us That's kind of what he said in Matthew when he said, Go into all the earth, for I will be with you until the end of the age. He's there. He's with us. He's in our testimony. And he doesn't want us to be afraid. Notice in verse 18 how Paul is given the commission and what Jesus promises that he's going to do through him. In 18 he says, that I am going to deliver you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you, first of all, to open their eyes. To open their eyes. You know, when you think about this, and you put it in the perspective, people who do not know Jesus as their Savior are pictured in God's Word as blinded. Folks, have you ever tried to explain to someone, to a blind person, now go up here and turn right at that red sign, and then go on down a little ways, and when you count the third dot, turn left, and go on down, and when you see the red building, walk in that front green door. That's impossible for a blind person because they can't see understand that when when we are conversing with people who do not know Jesus as their Savior, you are talking to a blind person. As a matter of fact, not only are they blind, they're dead. Do you know what it means to talk to a blind, dead person? It means there's not a lot of hope unless there's some outside intervention. Their eyes have to be open and they have to have life. What is it that gives life? The Spirit of God and the Word of God. And so you and I have to approach them in this way. What do we need to do? Paul says, that Jesus tells Paul, you are to open the eyes of the blind of the gospel. 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4. Their eyes have been blinded to the gospel. And what are we to do? We are to open. And help people come to the light now when you think about these concepts take them from darkness or blindness to light what are we doing we're sharing with them what they don't know to what they should know now when we think about God's word and I'm going to read a passage here 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6 I didn't put it on the screen so I'm just going to turn to it 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6 what does Paul say here for God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. How do we give light to people? We tell them the good news of Jesus. He is the light of the world. How do you shine light into darkness? You tell them about Jesus. You tell them about what Jesus has done for them, what He did on the cross and what He wants to do. This is what opens blinded eyes. Our separation from Him, His love for us, His death, His resurrection, this is what opens the heart of people. The third great commission was to release people from the power of Satan to God. Look in the rest of verse 18 in Acts chapter 26. I'm going to read the part again. I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Now we don't often think about this, but I want you to hear what Paul's being told. There is a spiritual battle going on in the hearts of every person who is not a believer. And and Satan has already won that battle. They are in darkness. They are given over to the power of Satan. You see, folks, there's no such thing as being halfway a Christian. You're either a believer in Jesus or you are an unbeliever. You're either in the family of God or you're in the family of the devil. There's no middle ground. There's no fence riding when it comes to eternal life. You either have it in Jesus or you don't have it. And someone who does not have it, they're blind, they're in darkness, and they're also under the power of Satan. Now I know that sounds dynamic. It is. Because that is problem. Because you see, if a person dies in that state, what do they do? They go into an eternity without Jesus. Is that important? Not only is that important, that is imperative. That is critical. So what does God want us to do? Share this message of hope. Open their eyes. Show them the light. Help them turn from the power of Satan to the power of God. Now how does that happen? That happens through believing the gospel. John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus told the Pharisees, You are of your father, the devil. So how does a person come to the light and go to God's power? They believe the gospel of Jesus. Listen to the fourth commission. They are to experience the forgiveness of sin. Look at what he tells them. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, and that they may receive forgiveness of sins. You should underline that in your... Bible, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. You know, back in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, I'm going to take you on a little journey here. What was the message that was preached that caused people to go from darkness to light? Peter is preaching here on the day of Pentecost, and he says, uh, verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts is a transitional book. This was the first time that the gospel was being brought to the Jew. And here the Jew had to have a sign. And so what was Peter preaching to them? Believe on Jesus who you crucified. And what is the result? You will receive forgiveness of sin. There's also other passages. Chapter 5, verse 31. Notice how this one is worded. Peter's preaching again. God exalted him, Jesus, at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. What is the great issue that keeps... belief, not believing that Jesus died in our place and died for our sins and that we must have our sins forgiven. But when we believe that message, when we share that message, we give people an opportunity to believe that it's critical. It's critical. And then finally, Jesus tells Paul read it again, y'all say, oh, I'm getting tired of hearing that. Well, I'm sorry. Delivering you from your people to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. And listen to this wonderful truth. And a place among those who are sanctified by faith We would call this Not only are you forgiven, but you're placed in God's family. And when you're placed in God's family, you have full inheritance rights to the privileges and the blessings of God. Now, if I were you, I would circle that. I would write Ephesians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, and read the riches that you have in Jesus. Well, as a matter of fact, I'll just read them to you. Ephesians chapter 1. What does it mean to have a place among those who are sanctified by faith? Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus according to the purpose of His will to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved, in Him, we have redemption through His blood. you know what redemption means? It means the price that needed to be paid for your sin was paid. We have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose. Set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. We have a share in that. Paul was to go tell the Gentiles, not only is there forgiveness of sins, but you have a place in my future plan of other saints. great commission here in America today are people that we walk around every day walking in blindness you know Urban Luther wrote a book and if you don't have it you need to read it it's called No Reason to Hide Luther gives about nine principles that the American church and culture is facing today and how our nation is in darkness listen to what he says and these are the titles of his chapters Christians had better surrender, sink, or swim because you and I are in a culture that is where we are being blown out of the water. We don't know what to do. It's finally coming a time when you stand for Christ. You're going to pay for it. It's going to cost you to be a Christian. And Luther says there's no reason to hide. Don't be ashamed. Will we be intimidated by collective demonization? In other words, are you willing to stand for Christ even when it costs you to be rejected by other people? Are you willing to stand for Christ even when it means you won't get a promotion? You won't get a raise? Because when you stand for Jesus, you won't do what's wrong. It'll cost you. Lucy says, get ready for it, and there's no reason to hide. Will we expose the greatest lie that is our nation's most cherished delusion? What is that? That there's no truth, In other words, whatever I think is true is true, and it doesn't matter about anybody or anything else. Luther said that is our nation's most cherished lie: We are God. And then he talks about our nation. Will we encourage unity or create division by promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion? By the way, you should read this chapter. The book is worth it for this one chapter. Here's Luther's point. Our nation and culture is so blinded to equity, diversion, and inclusion that every time you hear those words, instead of hearing uniting, you should hear division. Because equity, inclusion, and diversity does not bring unity. As a matter of fact, those three doctrines that are being pounded in the brain of every person are dividing everything that Jesus died for. And yet today, if we don't swallow it, smile, and promote it, we are in trouble. Let me tell you something, folks. Our nation is in trouble. Our systems of education are in trouble because when this is promoted and pounded, it absolutely fights against the gospel. Absolutely. Better watch, or I'll get off on that trail. Luther also talked about can we take steps to move beyond racism, stolen land, and collective guilt? In other words, am I responsible? Were the founding fathers this or that? How do you deal with that issue? You don't erase it, you don't tear things down. You address it and you learn from it and you improve. And by the way, I've said this before. If America is such a hated, racist, terrible nation, why are thousands and thousands of people busting our borders down every day to come here? Somebody's drank the Kool-Aid. Will we be deceived by the language used by propagandists? I'll let you read that chapter. makes my blood pressure go up. Language today. Wow. We're confused about pronouns, plurals. I have to call you a they. I mean, folks, common sense has gone out the window. It's, an, it's time for enough of that. And as believers in Jesus, the only hope is to, speak the truth of the gospel. God created us male and female. And he died for us because both male and female are seen. We have to be honest about that. Is there such thing as a general nuclear society? Will our children be indoctrinated by the enemy? I mean, we're just going to stand there and let that happen. What are you going to do? Will we submit to the global reset? You want to know something scary that's going on? Just type in "global reset." Go watch it. Watch what's happening around our world today about money and finances and the digital coin and all of this concept that these great movers and shapers are involved in. Well I mean, things are swirling. And will we accept the blessings of gospel-centered stuff? You know, what's the point here? We live in a world of darkness that needs to have light and the only light is Jesus. By the way, let me just share this. Just because somebody becomes a conservative doesn't mean they become a Christian. Can I make that there are plenty of conservatives that are Christ rejectors? They need Jesus too. They need to know about him that they are sinners. They are lost without Him. And I don't care how conserved or patriotic they are, that doesn't get you to heaven. Only Jesus does that. What are some lessons we learn about sharing Jesus without fear? Well, first of all, and this is an interesting facet, I just left them all on the screen. Persecuting believers is equal to persecuting Jesus. Do you know when somebody persecutes you, actually persecuting Jesus. He told the Apostle Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus was in third heaven with the Father. Paul was down here slaughtering his people. And what did Jesus say to him? When you persecute them, you persecute me." And you know, we, especially here in the West, we don't really know what it's like to be persecuted maybe ridiculed a little, maybe made fun of, but we really don't know what it's like to suffer. Well, maybe we're getting to the time in Christian history in the West that it's going to cost us to be a Christian. And I'm not so sure that's a bad thing. The second, God deals with his enemies. Isn't it interesting? While the Apostle Paul was persecuting God's people, God was dealing with the Apostle Paul. And by the way, we don't often think about this, but people who are causing us problems, we don't know what's going on in their heart and life. Do you know that sometimes somebody can be mean to you and inside their heart no, they shouldn't be? Sometimes somebody can do something to you and they are being convicted internally because they realize they should not be doing that, but they're doing it anyway. I actually heard somebody say one time when they were being mean to a Christian, you know, it's hard to be mean. Bad for being mean to them. So true. God deals with his enemies. The third thing that we learn is religion must be exchanged for salvation. You know what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3? He says, you you want to know something? he, He told Agrippa and Festus and Bernice, I was a Pharisee. I was one of the most religious of the religions. In Philippians, he talks about his pedigree. He was a Benjamite. The first king in Israel came from the tribe of Benjamin. They were known as one of the greatest tribes. Paul said, I was them. As to the law, I I was blameless. When people looked at me, they thought I was just scabber. And he goes all the way down his list about being a Hebrew and this and that. And Paul gets to the bottom and says, you know what? everything I thought in life gave me accolades toward God was nothing but a pile of barnyard rubbish. That's what he said. You know what's in the barnyard? If you don't go to a barn and look. And Paul said, that's what all of my religion was. It was nothing but a barnyard. And you want to know what I count all my religion? Barnyard. And I counted all that because in Jesus Christ, I have received the righteousness that matters. And Paul realized it wasn't his religion that brought him righteousness. It was his relationship with Jesus. That is what gave him righteousness. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, He is our wisdom, our righteousness our sanctification, our redemption. Jesus is. When you have Him, you have that. You have to get rid of the religion. The next lesson we learn is God's ways will never be defeated. Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you are kicking against the goat? Why do you kick against the goat? By the way, do you know what a goat is? I mean, I should have brought my. Goat is a long stick with a big sharp point on it. And imagine me standing behind you know, an animal. And when the animal doesn't want to go, I goad it. And when it goes to kick me, I put it down there and put it right on the foot. you ever have to kick against something sharp like that? It doesn't feel very good. What does Jesus ask Paul? Why, why are you hurting yourself? You're kicking against my goad in your flesh. Stronger than my do, And you're going to break. God will win. And let me share something with you folks, especially in witnessing the people. First of all, you don't know what God's going to do in your heart. God makes take the toughest, hardest, person that you think it's so impossible for them to believe the gospel. You might share Jesus. I have personally witnessed this in my life. As a matter of fact, on one occasion, I can remember witnessing this, thinking to myself, are you sure you actually believe it? <laughs> totally, totally unexpected. Very, very rough man. Shared the gospel, and he believed. And I almost had the question, are you sure that you, you're believing? I mean, you no. Know, I just want to make sure. He, he was explaining to me later. He said, I don't know what when I heard that about Jesus' love and then He said something just happened inside of me, I, I can't explain it. He said, I knew I needed it and I knew I wanted that. I'm going to tell you something, folks. God's ways will not be defeated. When you read through the book of Acts, Jesus would send Paul into certain cities and He would tell him, I have many people there. Go so Paul would go there and preach and those people would come to faith in Jesus. Paul didn't know that. Jesus did. You don't know. I don't know. But what we do know is we're witnesses and we're to share our testimony. Look at what Paul did. God's ways will never be defeated. And then when we share our faith, oftentimes we'll be misunderstood. What did Agrippa say to Paul? Paul, much reading Crazy. I mean, you, you flip your lid. Have you all ever had family members say to you, you're getting a little too religious now? That the church is the church thing is just, you're getting a little too religious. You need to settle down, come back to reality, come back to life. You've never had that in your family, and you're blessed. But others have had that. As a matter of fact, sometimes people think we're crazy when we tell them about Jesus. Dying for our sins, Believing on Him for eternal life. They think we're crazy. And you know what? Agrippa told Paul, Paul, I think you're mad. I think you've lost it. And, and Paul says, Oh no. No, I'm not mad, Agrippa. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. You see, Agrippa had ties into the Jewish faith and he was over the land in Israel when Jesus rose from the dead. And that's why Paul could say, don't give me that. You know Jesus rose from the dead because you were there when it happened. This thing wasn't done in the corner. I mean, folks, listen to me. The resurrection can be rejected, but it can't be denied. There is more historical evidence from non-Christian writers in the early church history that Jesus rose from the dead. Listen closely than there is that Julius Caesar reigned reigned on the throne. You can you can look at the witness and lay it out. There is more witness from unbelievers that Jesus rose from the dead than there is that Caesar reigned on the throne. You can't deny the rest. I mean you can deny it. But you can't prove that it happened. There is evidence to show that it did. Paul told him You know because this wasn't done before. So when we share our faith Paul says, sometimes we have to become a fool for Jesus. And the last thing we need to remember is God can turn a persecutor into this future. Like I have one terrible memory in my mind, and I think the Holy Spirit allows it to stay there to remind me what kind of a rat I was. There was a time in my life when someone came up to me, They tried to share the gospel with me. And I can remember being a young man and they were sharing about Jesus' love and his death, death. And I can remember telling them, I mean, just as hateful as I could, I don't want to hear it. And I mean, I hurt that person's feelings because I wasn't very nice. Yes, that's your pastor. I know you're not like that, and you never were. I've often told you many times that if you knew who I was, you wouldn't listen to me, and if I knew who you were, I wouldn't speak to you. That's the fact. And the Holy Spirit allowed that to be burnt in my heart to show me the truth that God can even of a persecutor into a preacher. He did it to Paul. He's done it to hundreds of other people. And there was even a time in my life that I was that. in the place where when you share music with someone and they give you a really hateful reply. It's humbling to be able to say... It's been a struggle, but still you know you're God's child. And then drop it. Drop it. Tell them. Give them the story. Tell them. And then at the end, you can ask them, do you know how to do so? do you ever you're, do this you're not forcing them. You're not pushing them. You're just telling them what happened to you. It's your personal experience. And then you're laying it out. Never know the power of your testimony. And your witness and What God will do with you. He will. Do. Okay, you will use it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Your Word this morning. May it pierce our hearts and challenge us to do Your will. Thank you that You've chosen us to be Your witnesses. May we be obedient to that, and may You honor. It. I pray, Father, right now someone's heart and life here that you're touching they know they're going to have an opportunity to witness this week I pray that you would go ahead of them right now and open the heart of the person that they're going to share with even cause them to be seeking it. so that when we share our faith that they will hear it and come face to face with Jesus. I pray that you would open their heart and their eyes what, what Trinity needs Father and you know this and I've prayed this many times and I'm praying it openly this morning we need to see our people sharing the gospel with other people and leading them to faith in Jesus, and then bringing them here to our church as a celebration that they trusted Christ as their Savior and we know that's how you designed the church, you never designed building to be an evangelist. You divine the, you, you made the church as it gathers to be a worship and an energizing force to encourage one another, to fellowship with one another, and to worship you, and to go out into our world that needs Jesus to share. So don't let the enemy discourage us and try to make us think this is so hard. But may the Holy Spirit empower us want to do this, and then may you be honored by our faithfulness.